White Sox winner is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of automobiles, it's become really hard to stock all the parts you need in a traditional auto parts storefront. Why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. Did you know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? But rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear, sort of like how airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And don't forget this, right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com yeah so the white Sox are winners today in detroit herbie they are now above 500 on the season they beat the motor city kitties by a score of seven to five dylan cease six innings pitch seven hits five runs only one of them earned and five strikeouts but let's start with the good today Tim Anderson had, as you said during the ball games, we were watching it at the uh, Score Studios today, one of the best games of his career today. Yeah, it was a great game, and it started off with his 10-pitch at bat versus Matthew Boyd to start the game off. And we both, in prior episodes of Locked on Sox and then on our Twitter feeds, have said that Tim Anderson is not the ideal leadoff guy. We would not want him to be the leadoff guy. Maybe... We're wrong. We got to eat a little crow because that at bat set the tone for the rest of the game. He showed the rest of his players what Matt Boyd has to offer. And then when Matt Boyd threw that lazy slider over the plate, Timmy murdered it. He killed it. 
and set the tone right after that. Styled Eli... and profiled. Oh, mercy. Silenced the crowd that was non-existent. Oh, yeah, and he gave him a little shh. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. But, yeah, Tim Anderson, then later on in the game with runners on first and second, it's Edwin Encarnacion up to bat, and so he's stealing third of Tim Anderson while Edwin's about to hit. Edwin hits a slow chopper to shortstop, Tim rounds third base really hard, so he catches the shortstop's eye. The shortstop, instead of throwing Edwin out, which he should have easily done, focuses on Tim, and then Tim scurries back to third base, and he's safe. So everybody is safe there. It sets up the later double, bases-clearing double by Luis Roberts. Yeah, so we're, we're all that. over, Tim Anderson had a outstanding game, and you can tell his two games he's been back, the team has a little bit more life, and maybe the results are leading this to it, but he is the guy. He's the linchpin that makes this thing work. And you had mentioned a, a comparison with him last year after he got hurt when the Sox were in Boston. He was on the shelf for a couple of weeks, and he kind of came back after that with a little spark. You think you're seeing some of the same here? Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Like, being out, not playing baseball, Gives him a little perspective. You know, he doesn't need it, but it gives him a little perspective. Like, man, this is terrible. I want to go out and play with my boys. And the team, while he was out, you know, I think they had in the midst of a six-game winning streak. And then the lifeless team that Dallas Keuchel had to kick in the pants was the team that Tim Anderson wasn't a part of. And then right when he comes back, he starts the team up right with good at-bats, hard play, and the team responds to how he goes. So maybe he's the spark plug that makes everything else go, and he needs to be in the lineup wherever he's at. But if he shows me the bats that he had today, especially that first one, he could be my leadoff guy anytime he wants to be. Absolutely, and we'll get to that a little bit more in the uh, the inaugural edition of the White Sox, Locked on White Sox Confessional. I'm going to get to the, my stance on Tim Anderson in the leadoff role uh, just a little bit later on in the podcast. But... You know, uh, you mentioned that fifth inning. So, T.A. leads off with a single. Eloy strikes out on one of the worst at-bats you'll you'll ever see in a spot like that. Just three pitches, strikes out swinging. And we'll get to Eloy in a second. But So, after the Eloy strikeout, Jose Bray walks. There's that fielder's choice from Edward Encarnacion. And uh, great base running by T.A., McCann lines out, and then Luis Robert comes up with a clutch three-run double to put the Sox on top for good. And first pitch swinging, but first pitch slider swinging. Luis Robert got a heavy dose of sliders today from Detroit pitching. And, you know, not overall a great day for him, and certainly hasn't been great since he came off that, that day of rest. But he knew that a slider was coming, and if you don't execute – he still is a good enough hitter to know exactly what to do with it, and that was go the other way and, and uh, shoot it in the gap and clear the bases. And when they do the VHS tape recap of the 2020 <laughs> White Sox, the footage that will sum up this entire season is going to be Edwin Encarnacion scoring from first on that Luis Robert double. He's got the piano on his back, and the parrot was playing the piano simultaneously. <laughs> and then my favorite thing was once he's in the dugout, once Edwin's in the dugout, Eloy is fanning him down. He's wiping him down. Uh, he's like, you know, Edwin is like, you know, Eloy's Tio. He's like, he's known him since he was a little boy, so he's his uncle. And so, you know, basically Edwin's Tio out there in the dugout. He might as well have said, bring me a Maurice Onyando while you're at it. And, you know, <laughs> let me let me really catch my breath here for a second. But I mentioned Eloy with that terrible at bat. Do you think, 
it's time to move Eloy down in the lineup a little bit. Oh, yeah. He, in a normal lineup when Yohan Moncada's in it, is not hitting second. Today was out of necessity. He moved up to the two spot because Moncada usually occupies that one. But, yeah, he, the first at bat, excellent. 0-2. Boyd leaves a fastball high and outside, and Eloy knows what to do with those things. But the thing about Eloy is he has to recognize that what the pitchers are trying to do to him. So Eloy is a guy, just like Luis Robert, if you throw a ball in the zone, he's going to make you pay for that. Pitchers know that he's a free swinger. He's not going to be taking a lot of balls and not looking for his pitch and setting up a pitcher for what he wants to do. An example is the number two at bat, the time he came up after the home run. So Timmy leads off with a triple, hustle triple. All you want to do, there's no else. All you want Eloy to do is get contact. Deep contact to the outfield. The infield's playing back, so you hit the ball in the middle of the field to the second or third, ba- or second or shortstop. That's going to drive in a run. That's a productive professional bat that Dallas Keuchel was speaking about after Monday night's loss. But Eloy, straight, three straight pitches out, all out of the zone for the most part. And pitchers are, have that book on him. And this is what's happened to him last year when Kansas City and other teams that start the year were just slider outside, slider outside, slider outside. What Eloy has to show is that he understands this, what the pitcher's going to do to him, and wait for his pitch. Be a professional hitter. Understand tape. Understand what a game plan for the other team's going to do. Okay, what am I weak at? The outside pitch, the pitch that is not in the zone. What are they going to try to do me? That. They can't get me out in the zone. So if they throw in the zone, I have enough power, enough quick hands to hit the ball to right field, as he's shown today. High fastball from Matt Boyd, no problem from rocket to right field. Same thing later in the game, another rocket to right field. So he and Luis Robert just have to understand, pitchers can't get him out in the zone to chase their pitches, especially in that second at bat, the third at bat, again, another bad at bat for Eloy, only helps the other team. And that's what we're talking about with a professional bat. Because the next batter was Jose Abreu. And Abreu's got a little pop. But what he saw was he has a man at third. Let's get him in. I'm hitting the ball to the middle of the infield, to the second baseman. He throws me out. But I drive in the run. That's what you need. That's what the type of leadership, the type of teammate play you need to have to for this team to move forward and need Eloy. Eloy is a very, very integral part of this team. He brings a bat, and that's what he brings to the table. As we saw later, he doesn't bring his glove, and he fell in the net once more. We'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> so he brings the bat, and he needs the bat to be helpful. And not just when it, once in a while when he hits a home run. That's nice. But these at-bats, you can't just be going up there just flailing away. You're going to strike out, but you got to give the pitcher some, like, you got to give him a hard time while you strike out. Like, you got to have something where he's thinking about, man, I don't want to face that dude anymore. But if he gets you out of the zone, he's going to be like, easy. Yeah. I don't have to throw anything close to the zone. F this dude. Absolutely. I mean, you can't just go up there. You, you can just throw junk against Eloy right now, and he's going to swing first pitch. And the difference between 1-0 and 0-1 in the mind of a pitcher is remarkable. And, yeah, this this lineup has some length and some depth, 
but you only have three outs to work with in a given inning. So you have to take as many pitches as you can and show the pitcher that you're just not going to swing at everything. You know, is because it affects the man behind you. You mentioned with Tim Anderson there leading off the game, the ripple effect is is immeasurable. So just improve the quality of at bats. And Eloy, we're, Sox fans are lucky that Eloy is not Adam Engel because if this were Adam Engel, he'd be on the damn bench right now. Mm-hmm. But he has the raw power, the quick hands to overcome a lot of you know the mistakes. And he could drive it the other way even when things are not going right for him. But if, if he was just any other guy, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. He just he would he'd be sitting out or he'd be buried in the bottom of the lineup. But luckily he is Eloy is Eloy and you know but I think it's coming. I think either a day off or moving him down the lineup. Just as you know, because this is not you know, this is one of those things where he's been in the league long enough now, he's been in the league for a calendar year. He ought to know at this point what a professional at bat is in, in, in a big spot in a ball game. So, you know, if anything, Ricky's going to send a message like, hey, look, kid, you're, you're hurting us right now. You could, you'll be back up here eventually. You're going to be our number three, four hitter for the next 10 years probably. But for right now, you're best served hitting sixth or seventh behind some of the guys who know what they're doing right now who are giving us a chance. So I think it's something to watch out for, and let's we'll wait and see how that plays out. And he'll overcome a lot because he's Eloy, but uh, above all, just not great at bats right now for Eloy Jimenez. All right, so other things uh, kind of odd today in the game. Dylan Cease, I mentioned. Yeah, this Dylan Cease thing, it it was a weird game for him because he's he's cruising. You feel good. The Sox got an early read or early lead after that first inning, and then Dylan Cease has one of those Dylan Cease innings. And in the fourth inning, Dylan Cease gets a pop out from Kristen Stewart to uh, begin the inning, and then. Sox apparently have no scouting report on uh, Jimer Candelario. Jamer, Jimer, uh, <laughs> he doubles. And then he gets uh, Victor Reyes striking out swinging, but this is the big spot here in the inning. That kind of, Things start to unravel uh, at this point because it looked like McCann got crossed up. He, him and C's got crossed up. He was looking for slider. C's threw him a fastball, airmails it, and McCann just had this dazed look. I thought maybe he got some contact with the bat because he looked like he was concussed looking for the pass ball. And then, so that kind of thing started to unravel from that point on there. So that, at that point you have Victor Reyes stealing second base, Harold Castro strikes out swinging. And then Grayson Griner, of course, comes up and has his first double of the year, a rocket shot out to right field, uh, Candelario scores, and then Reyes scores. And then immediately after you're okay. All right. Game's tied at three at that point. Like, okay, Dylan, let's, let's calm down. Let's take a breath. But what does he do? The very next pitch gives up the home run to Will Castro. And that was just, you know, the everything about Dylan Cease right there is just mistake, compounding, snowballing into an even bigger mistake because of lack of focus there, I think. So I don't know if you saw the th- same thing with Dylan, but to me it's all about the focus with him. It wasn't necessarily about spotting the fastball or any of the other mechanical things with him, but him today it just seemed like he was so upset still about him getting crossed up with McCann that he let that mistake lead to something even bigger. I don't know if you saw the same thing with that. Exact same thing. We're in in uh, cahoots right there. We're in sync right there. Which one? I'm Joey. You're Lance. Um, <laughs> it's because this has happened before. Like, ever since his debut, he's had the same problem with f- pitching over mistakes. His own mistakes, the team's mistakes, whatever happens. Like you said earlier, he was cruising. He was doing well. Only giving up one run. That fourth inning just messed him up. When he threw that ball over James McCann's head, it just got in his head. And he could see after he gave up the the home run, he was like shell-shocked. He was like, oh, my God, I'm doing it again. Instead of, okay, cool, guy, 
we've given up a couple runs. Like we gave it up the double to we've given up the double to Griner and let's just bear down and get the ninth hitter out. Let's just get this guy out. I know he's new to the to the team this year. He's one of the first at-bats in the year. And Willie Castro, of course, gets the first home run of the year, which is like a White Sox staple if you watch the Sox. If there's a guy getting his first start of the year or he hasn't gotten a hit or an RBI or a home run, he's getting it against the White Sox. Believe that. <laughs> yeah, and so he, he doesn't bear down and just say, okay, let's get this dude out. But he gives up a rocket home run. And then to his credit and to Ricky's credit, I thought the White Sox, what we just explained, Got the lead after that with the double by Luis Robert. I thought, okay, cool. Um, okay, cool. We're gonna take out, we're gonna take out Cease. We're gonna have him feel good. Maybe just hey, four innings. It's not ideal. Five runs. They were unearned for the most part. Only one earned there. Feel good about yourself. We'll see you next time. We got an off day tomorrow. The bullpen's fully rested and such. But to their credit. Ricky brings him back out for the fifth, puts up zeros, put, brings him back out for the sixth, does the same. No walks today for Dylan C. So it's a mixed bag. If you're going to say six innings, one earned run, it's a quality start. I'm happy about that, Herb. Go ahead. I'm good for you. But overall, I say it's a good and bad start for Dylan Cease. These games usually don't go as well as they did because the, usually the White Sox won't score as that many runs. I think the mistake by Detroit's manager, Rodden Gardner, is to bring in or keep in Matt Boyd after you know he's been getting rocked the whole game. So um, if I had to grade it on a scale, probably a C- minus for Dylan Cease today. Not exactly what you want, but he battled back after giving up some adversity and then finished up strong, and that's a credit to Ricky Renteria. Absolutely, and I would I will say this about, about Dylan Cease and his struggles today. At least this year, the Sox have the talent to overcome things like that, and they can find ways to win these ball games. Whereas in last year and years previous, before Dylan C's got here, these are games that you lose, and then the next time around, if you know these mistakes happen again, and your pitcher gets into some troubled waters, there he's thinking, "Oh man, here we go again." But his team bailed him out. Like you said, his manager showed faith in him, so I think maybe ultimately it, it will be a net positive for Dylan Cease. You know, you know what? Things were pretty bad out there, but still, we walked away with the win, and I gave my team a chance, and I was able to uh, come back and shut the door after my team scored uh, and, and had the big inning for me. So you think maybe next time around, you know, he's out there a little more relaxed, and these mistakes don't comp keep compounding again. You said it was like Lucas Giolito in uh, in 2018 in that regard. So yeah, hopefully. You know, we have the good Dylan C's again because so far I've been impressed with him, and I think I'm still going to be uh, high on Dylan the rest of the year. If the Sox want to make the playoffs, he's going to have to be good, especially with all the injuries to the rotation. And speaking of the pitching staff, it's going to be a roller coaster ride uh, when a starter goes six innings and they have the lead. So in the seventh, Jimmy Guns comes in, he gets Griner to ground out, then Willie Castro singles, Nico Goodrum strikes out. And then Eloy, he winds up in the goddamn net again. And it was cute and fine today. Uh, Again, it was a situation, if you didn't see it, uh, where are you? Uh, You've probably been on Twitter. If you're listening to us, I'm sure you've been on Twitter today. I'm sure you've seen it. But on a foul ball, uh, he's trying to grab a foul ball. He can't stop his momentum again. And then he winds up barreling over the guardrail, and he ends up uh, bass backwards into the net. And it was kind of funny because it looked like he was in a hammock at that point, and he's just hanging out. I don't know how I'd like that if I was a, a Tigers player. It just seemed like he was kind of digging around out there, and you know, <laughs> and he wasn't in any rush to get out of there. It was still funny, but 
It's just like, oh, he's again, he's like a toddler out there. And once he gets that momentum going, he just can't stop. You know, it's you got to laugh, but it's still it's not cute. It's not a good look. <laughs> One time. I mean, the first time it was sucky because it gave up an actual home run. Yeah. This time it was cute until like you wonder, is he staying down there because he's hurt? Yeah. Is he like he's not getting up and then needed help from his teammates to get out. And then when he got out, he was like kind of bent over. And then I was like, uh, and then he walked it off. I was like, all right, smooth. We're good to go. But yeah, it, after the whole thing's over and the White Sox get a win, ha ha ha. That's great. You yeah. funny stuff. But yeah. during the game, that's not funny. It's not, it's not cute. It's not good. Luckily it's a foul ball. No grant, no, uh, inside the park home run again by the White Sox. They'll probably give another one up. And Absolutely. Uh, before we uh, forgot to talk about cease, the next start he'll have will be versus the Tigers. So right, yeah. So he'll have to go against the same team again, and better believe they'll have a little confidence having the five runs they got off him, the two home runs they hit off of him. If I'm Dylan Cease, I'm like, okay, cool, guys, you got it, you got me this time. Next time you're getting shut down. I think he did that versus the In- the Indians. Yeah. Yeah. So the Indians got him first time, and the second time he's like, no, nah, Indians, I got you. I've learned, and I'm progressing. Absolutely. All right. So in that seventh inning, that was, that was a little bit turbulent there. So after <laughs> Eloy falls in the net, uh, Jonathan... Get out the net. Yeah, get the net. Jonathan Scope singles, putting runners on first and second. Uh, Jimmy Guns exits the game, and uh, in comes Evan Marshall. That's right. High leverage relief pitcher Evan Marshall comes in, induces that ground ball to Miguel Cabrera, of all people. I didn't know that was possible in Tiger Stadium late in the ball game. Um, you know, I, you, you hate to see it uh, these days, but my pretty much my whole baseball fan life, you've been watching Miguel Cabrera come up big late in the game against Sox relief pitching. But he gets the ground ball at the end of the inning. He comes back and holds the line for the eighth inning, and then, of course, Colome comes in for the save. The Cordero Marshall Colome, I don't. Oof, I mean, there's no reason to not like them because they've performed well so far. That you know, they're it's they're gonna have a tough time finding their way um, until Aaron Barber comes back. We don't know when that's gonna be, but Jimmy Cordero's been great ever since he's been here, and Evan Marshall has been great this year. Maybe you could find some luck here and ride it out for the rest of the way, and it might not bite you in the ass. But how how does this work out for you? Your your seven eight nine Cordero Marshall Colome. Uh, as we spoke about last night, if given the chance, I would love to see somebody else, maybe then Cordero. Cordero, good, solid. Yeah. Nice. But and we, you should be rewarded. I'm glad they're rewarding a guy who's been solid so far. You know what? We're going to put you in a high-leverage situation. You're going to be the guy. That's great. I, you know, as, as a fan of the game, you'd love to see a guy get rewarded. And you hate when guys are out there and you're just like – yeah, what, I mean, what's this guy got to do to to put himself in a big spot? Like, you know, what, does he need to have pictures of someone? Like, and the whole C-Shack thing, as we talked about last night, yeah. C-Shack having to be in that game last night certainly affected today a little bit. But, yeah, sorry, continue on with, with Cordero in the seventh. Yeah, and so if Cordero is not going to be the guy, and he if he has a night before where he either struggles or he pitches a lot of innings, I would love to see Matt Foster or Zach Birdie get that opportunity to be that setup guy before Evan Marshall gets there. So you high leverage, sixth, seventh inning. You don't want to necessarily go to Aaron Bummer when he comes back. You don't want to go to Evan Marshall because he's more of a later inning guy. You have a guy like Matt Foster that's shown you 
that he can get major league hitters out so far. It's a short sample size, but he's getting guys out. He's not messing around. Zach Birdie maybe eventually will be that guy, and I profile him, and most people profile him as a closer of the future. So, yeah, I would love to see those two guys get an equal shot that Cordero gets because he can't pitch every night to give you this type of effort. And he sh- shut the door, kind of shaky, left the game with a runner on, and then uh, Evan Marshall shut the door after that and got two strikeouts in his outing. But, yeah, Matt Foster, Zach Birdie, those guys getting high-leverage spots in the future, I'm in for it. Yeah, I think at this point, the way you have to approach the whole C-Sheck thing is, is he has not had a great start to the year. You know, if you have a high-leverage spot early on, like the fifth inning, like you need to bail out your starter in the fourth or fifth, then you just need a different look uh, against a right-handed hitter. I like C-Sheck there. Uh, and small doses, basically, is what I'm saying for C-Sheck. But bringing the guys who, who throw the heat, bring in, bring in your birdies, your Matt Fosters uh, in the middle middle of the game and uh, setting up these guys if you need a bridge to this new 7th, 8th, and ninth Cordero, Marshall, and Colome combination. White Sox winners today over the Tigers. They win by a score of 7-5. to five, And we'll get to a hilarious story from one of my favorite people of all time about one of my favorite players of all time after this quick message from CBDMD. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. I was out there mowing the lawn today, doing lots of yard work, starting to feel those old man pains. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and reach charge when life gets a little chaotic. We've got CBD Freeze with Menthol. That's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover. That combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Again, that's CBDMD.com and the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. All right, so last night on the postgame show, while we were doing our postgame show, Ozzie Guillen was on with Chuck Garfine, and he shared this story about one of our favorite players of all time, Juan Uribe. The most loved guy in the way. So it was like the people love it so much to me. It was like the, Jean to- the Dominican Gene Tommy. Funniest man, great player, and one thing about it, he made himself a lot of money. He did. Because he played hard every day. My boy Juan Uribe, Uribito! You got a funny story about him? You said he was funny. It's very, okay, let me tell you what I talked about Nick Richard. One day Nick Richard have a bobblehead thing. Bobblehead day. Nick Richard bobblehead day. And he come to Juan Uribe, go, hey Juan, look at what I got. And Juan, he said, yeah, you see the uh, outside, I got a statue. <laughs> I got to hit myself like this, hitting, catching the ball with the window washer. You don't. How about that one? <laughs> you can't find two greater people to represent our game than Ozzy Guillen and Juan Uribe. Man, that is hilarious, and that just kind of confirms that story that we were talking about that we saw from Brett Valentini on Twitter. After Ozzy came on and ripped Nick Swisher, he had that Uribe story about the bobblehead, but now we have some context, and we have someone who was in the room at the time, so that's good shit right there. That made my day, I think. I'm still sad that he didn't literally piss on Nick Swisher's <laughs> bobblehead. That would have been great. Well, Because yeah, we already know 
tell from Danny Mac that he's a packs a big one. Yeah, we, <laughs> thank you for being so subtle. Yeah, they, that's uh, there's no social distancing if that happens back then. You need to clear out the clubhouse to uh, to make room for that act. But uh, yeah, that, that that's Juan Uribe in a nutshell. How about the Dominican Jim Tomey? Now I just can't help but picture like Jim Tomey in in uh, <laughs> like with some waves. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> or I got some uh, cornrows. Yeah, San Pedro de Macari sandals. Yeah. <laughs> Just chilling. I love the imagery. Is the Dominican Jim Tomey, is that David Ortiz? No, no. <laughs> is that, oh, a, is uh, that a comp? Well, well, I mean, for the stories that we know, maybe. Uh, maybe, friends. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jim Tomey, for being here, though. Thank you for introducing us. And uh, uh, you're still here. Why are you still here? Get out of here. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Thank you for you know following me around all day. He knew we were going to do the podcast after work today. And how great is this, by the way? The Cubs with the early start in Cleveland. So we get to wrap this up after we wrap up the McNeil and Parkin show normally two to six. So let's get to the locked on White Sox confessional here. I mentioned earlier about Tim Anderson, and I was so gung-ho pretty much all season about I don't want Tim Anderson in the leadoff spot. And once the once Luis Robert got there, I said, oh, we'll, we'll never look back. He'll be there forever. But he's struggling now, and Tim Anderson's back, and he's hitting the shit out of the ball. And who cares about approach, right? When you get four hits in a game, who cares? And you're leading off the game with a homer. That's what I'm talking about. Early in the season, I was like, yeah, I could see him if he gives you the spark and the power numbers go up. But right now, it looks like maybe that might be the case. So I want to confess that I was wrong about Tim Anderson in the leadoff spot. I, you know, I, I hope to stay wrong. But as of right now, it looks like this team is better, more energized with Tim Anderson hitting leadoff. What do you think? Yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. And I think before the season, I and you said that, you know, this guy can't be the guy that he was last year. There's no way I don't like him being leadoff guy because most of his on base is from his hitting. But no, the approach is good. Timmy looks like he came out for revenge, for a mission. He's not satisfied with winning the battle fighting title in 2019. He wants to prove people even more wrong this year, including myself and yourself. So I got to confess to you, too, that, yeah, I was wrong so far. It's a short sample size that I doubted your, your powers, Timmy. Your hitting is on target. And, yes, you set the tone for the rest of the team. And I am forever, forever <laughs> apologetic to ever doubting you. That is a, that's amazing things that he did today. The best game I've seen Tim Anderson play in a White Sox uniform. Like, everything he did made me yell. I was literally doing the show, with Lawrence Holmes show, and in the corner of my eye, I saw that home run getting hit, and I yelled out, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, the energies, I'm sure the team was like, yeah, lead us off, kid. Let's go. And Eloy followed it with a home run. You know, good at bats, followed another good at bat. And then the triple, when I just thought it was going to be a double. And the man just deked him into a triple and slid into third. I was like, man, the energy, the passion. We already explained the one where he grounds third and gives Edwin Encarnacion a chance to make first base. If he doesn't do that with the subsequent James McCann flyout, that run doesn't, that Luis Robert double doesn't happen. It doesn't clear the bases. We don't get the parrot playing the piano on his back. Those type of things spark the team, and Timmy has been the catalyst the White Sox have needed, and when he was out, we were sorely missed. That's your only confession you want to make today? No. You had another one, didn't you? My, only, my other confession is 
when the White Sox did get that three-run double from Luis Robert, I was thinking to myself, and I was this close to tweeting it, if Ricky Renteria brings back Dylan Cease after they take the lead back, after that horrible inning by Cease, I'm done. I was going to say something to that effect, like, Ricky's terrible, he's bad, he's a horrible manager type of thing. But he did. He brought him back, and Dylan Cease put up zeros in the fifth and the sixth inning, which I was shocked that he brought him back in the sixth inning. And it worked. Now, we've always said this. It's process over results. This is both. Ricky, I think, was thinking, okay, we have the lead. The kid has calmed down. We've talked to him. He has a bunch of more pitches left. I think he had, he was in his mid-70s when he left the fourth inning. to, And then the White Sox got the lead. So he had enough pitches to go. And so Ricky was thinking, maybe he still has enough pitches. Maybe I put him back out there. If he gets in trouble, I'll remove him. But what I can have him is very confident if he shuts him down in the fifth inning. And he saw how well he pitched in the fifth inning. He's like, I'm going to give him the sixth inning. And he did it. And it was rewarding. It was like the confidence that Dylan Cease gets off of that and the faith in your starting pitchers that Dylan Cease rewarded Ricky with the faith that he had in him with two zeros. And now moving forward, Dylan Cease can say, okay, even if I run into trouble, it's not the end of the day. It's not the end of the world. Ricky's got faith in me. He knows, he sees this example, not like the old school where Kyle Hendricks would give up a run and Joe Madden will immediately pull him. He's more like John Lester would give up four runs and then fucking Joe Madden would keep him in the game forever. That type of deal right now. And now you see in the in the future, Dylan Cease will face his Tiger team again. They'll face the Cubs for the first time this year. Let's see if that confidence that Ricky had in him pays off. So I got to confess, I was wrong about what Ricky did, and I would have been yelling from the, the rooftops if in the fifth inning after Ricky brought him back in, if Cease gave up a hit, gave up a rocket shot, gave up a home run or another run, I would have been yelling at Ricky and Dylan Cease. So I have to confess, I was wrong. Ricky and Dylan Cease, kudos. White Sox sitting at 10-9 and nine right now after winners of two straight games. And the uh, Cleveland Indians just above the Sox in the standing, sitting at 10-8 and eight with a chance to uh, lose to the Cubs tonight. And by the way, Cubs beat them last night, so... Thanks, Cubs! And hopefully they can do it again. You should all be Cubs fans right now. And uh, shout-out to our guy from Locked On Tigers, Chris Castellani. He was not happy today after the game. We talked about it when we did our division preview with him, the, the lone division preview that we did before before COVID, and he was going off about Matthew Boyd. And we asked him when we talked to him, like, why the hell didn't the Tigers trade him? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you see Matthew Boyd out there today, and our guy Chris is furious out there. So check him out on Twitter if you want to see him ranting at Castellani2014. And the one thing I got to say about Tigers fans, like I, before any of this, would have thought that Tigers fans would be abrasive just because of my dealings with Pistons fans beforehand and dealing Red with Red Wings fans. Yeah, I grew up at Chicago Stadium. A lot of those Hawks Red Wings games, it was ugly. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a different type of, of person. I guess baseball fans are a little more mellow by nature. But. Yeah, and I, and I hate the Lions and, you know, Lions fans too. So when we went to Tiger Stadium, I was expecting that same type of treatment. The total opposite. Sweethearts. 
the at least the the few people we've dealt with as far as Tigers fans all have been sweethearts in my lifetime. And Chris, great guy, takes his Tigers fandom in stride. Hates Matthew Boyd like we would hate him. I wonder if Chris, we did we ask him if he hated uh, Ryan Rayburn? Yeah, I think we did. Okay, yeah. because when we went up to the Tiger Stadium, they detested Ryan Rayburn. Like, he's a guy. He's like, one of the best players of all time. Why do you guys hate him? He's going to get a hit in this game. And surely, I'm sure he got a hit off of Gavin Floyd that day. Of course. He stuck it up their ass and beat Verlander. Yeah, it was a great and day. And Bonderman. I miss, man. I, I would have loved to have gone up there. Today, anytime this year, to catch a ball game, but yeah, maybe next year. But yeah, that, that's it. That's all we got tonight for uh, this episode of Locked On Sox. The Sox off tomorrow, uh, which means we have the night free tonight. What are you going to do tonight uh, with without having to do a podcast? I think I got to work out. Not got to work out. I'm <laughs> going to work out. And so I'm going to do a low-impact workout with my girlfriend, Courtney. Oh, I, I Yeah, see. usually I haven't been doing it lately because the Sox have a game, and then yeah. we do one right after, it's and tough, then it's like yeah. 10 o'clock, and you don't be – we live in an apartment complex, and we'll be stomping up and down doing low-impact uh, workouts. So <laughs> today we'll work out. We'll we'll eat some good uh, a good dinner made at home, maybe work out and then watch the Cubs beat the Windians. Tonight? So, yeah, sounds like a plan. We're going to have a little dinner, and I think I'm going to catch up on uh, one of my shows that I've been binging lately is uh, is Yellowstone. It's on the uh, Paramount Network. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's, uh, Kevin Costner's in it, and it's about uh, uh, the Yellowstone Ranch in Montana, and Kevin Costner runs the ranch, and it's sort of like, you know, the, uh, the government wants to, or, you know, people... Developers want to come in and buy and price him out of his own land, and the, the the original indigenous people want to buy up the land so they can get it back. So there's a the big time dichotomy there, and the, the dynamic between you know here's a guy that's living on stolen land and is trying you know they're trying to steal it from him, but who's going to steal it first? And he's going to hold serve and, and keep the land for his family. It's a pretty cool show, so I think I'll catch up on that. I'm a couple behind, and uh, but overall, just spend time with the fam tonight because lately, especially with these six o'clock starts, you get home right after work, games already going. Going on and you you know scarf down dinner and your kids wondering like why you're so busy all the time so but you know it is what it is it beats working for a living so that's all I got tonight looking forward to getting home all right that is the episode a recap of a White Sox winner seven to five over the Detroit Tigers two out of three ain't too bad meatloaf right yeah <laughs> uh, they win that series and now they have a off day on Thursday and it's Positive news out of St. Louis is that oh, careful, people... careful with positives. Yeah, <laughs> they tested really positive in a negative way. And I tested very positively in a in another sense. So negative. this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning. Meaning, meaning I tested negative. They have no guys that have COVID nineteen positive test as of now. So that series over the weekend might be on versus the Cardinals at guaranteed rate. So, uh, for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. And Meatloaf. Meatloaf! Meatloaf tastes good. Two out of three uh, versus the Tigers. Before I go, I want to encourage you guys to send us your emails at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. We see your, we read them all. Like Quinn and Jason, you send them early. We appreciate that. We have a Mailbag Monday. We're going to do one this upcoming Monday. And so LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. These are already great questions. We're going to get to that episode this Monday. We appreciate everybody listening. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. To follow the show, it is at LockedOnSocks. And before I go, uh, all the people on the Locked On Network, stop replying all (laughs) to the damn guy, David Locke. 
birthday. If you know him, just send him a personal email. I don't care about everybody and their mama sending him a damn message. Happy birthday, David Locke. Yes. Don't fire me, but damn it, work the damn thing. I don't care about everybody. Oh, David, I want to be your man. No, good. Who cares? Do good content, and Dave will be happy with you. Yes. He doesn't need you damn replying to him for his birthday. I'm He's guessing, a grown man. I'm guessing David Locke doesn't want to scroll through email after email. I'm sure he loves the love and support, but come on, let the man have, have a quiet night. Don't, don't keep replying all. My man Chris Collins just called the Reply All-Stars. That's the first time I've ever heard that term, but the Reply All-Stars. It's, it's enough already. Chris Collins, an uh, all-star on his own. He's providing us a lot of content, the Marcus Timms Monroe and then yeah, that one. That's exactly. You, you know, inside joke theater here is what we do, so. All right, so for Chris Tannehill, he's at Chris Tannehill. I am at Actorwall23, Herb Lawrence. This is Locked on Socks.